0: Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we We lift lift them up up to the Lord. We bring this service of ordered worship in liturgy and homily and music to the congregation gathered here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, to our listenership around the globe at WBUR.org, and to our audience through National Public Radio 90.9 FM here in New England. We invite your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your decisions in the practice of faith about forms of ministry in your own life, and especially for those listening from afar, come Sunday and as the Spirit moves, we invite your presence with us here in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. may we pray. Keep, O Lord, your household, the church, in your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion for the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, we come to a time of contrition, compunction, confession, lament, and regret. We have erred and strayed from good ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much devices and desires of our own hearts. Good life is within our souls, but selfishness has hindered that goodness. We pause as the Kyrie is sung in silent prayer. Let us pray. Dear good news, the love of the pardoning God removes from everlasting to everlasting what has been past, and gives us the freedom of forgiveness. If we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
1: A lesson from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 6 through 10 and 14 through 17. Listen for the word of God. So we're always confident, even though we know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who, was di- who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Please join me in verses from Psalm 92 with the Antiphon. Thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To to declare your steadfast love in the morning, and and your faithfulness by night. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For For you, you, O Lord, Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. The righteous flourish like the palm tree, and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. In old age, they still produce fruit. They are always green and full of sap, showing that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Sisters and brothers, please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the Gospel, and the singing of our hymn.
3: Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Saint Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. Glory to you, O Lord. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground, and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But, what the, but when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can bake their nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
0: The images of New Yorker cartoons from decades past may suddenly, unexpectedly, without invitation come to mind as do figures, people, events in dreams. They make their way forward along the back roads of memory, uninvited and there they are. These. Over now many years, these friendly companions and the pages of the great magazine have been guides and helpful presents along the way. These whimsical and yet often very wise inspections of quotidian strangeness with a little bit of humor to boot. So from some decades ago. The cartoon comes to the mind's eye of a Sunday morning like this one, a sanctuary like this one. Uh, The preacher, the minister for the day in the pulpit, dressed though in a black suit and a clerical collar with a golf bag over his right shoulder. And there you see three woods and several irons and a putter and a towel and a ball retriever. And in the fourth pew, one man leans to the other, now the usual caption, you read it out, says he, you know I could be wrong, but I think today we may have a shorter sermon. It's summer, summer is upon us, and it's wonders, more about that toward the conclusion of today's sermon. We through this summer and how happily, energetically we have provided for and prepared for this third National Preacher Summer Series here at Marsh Chapel. We are honored to have the work through these weeks of our musical leaders who, as they did last summer, are bringing us by choir and by octet and by organ. a a musical inspiration that feeds into the theme also for this summer, which is Darwin and Faith. Here we search for a faith amenable to culture and a culture attractive to faith. And so from uh, voices regional and national, local and other, we will consider together reason together as the sermons the gospel is announced regarding the connection between Charles Darwin whose birth we celebrate from 200 years ago this year and whose great work on the origin of the species appeared 150 years ago this year. We. Let the cat out of the bag and spill the beans right now. This is, for ten weeks, an evangelistic rally of sorts. Oh, I know it doesn't seem that way. But across the airwaves and for those present, our intention is to make space available to those for whom, after the writing of C.P. Snow's great book, The Two Cultures, for whom... The mother tongue, the language of formation and work in life, is scientific primarily though not exclusively. We are trying to make space for those, speaking of the marginalized, those left out, those sometimes forgotten, those for whom stethoscopes and lab coats and microscopes are the order of the day. We're reaching out in evangelical Embrace to consider together across these weeks the full truth, as Paul calls it in Galatians, the gospel of truth, and to recognize that what is true is lastingly true, however and finally wherever we may discover or be discovered by that truth. We remember today as we look out at the summer, and speaking of the cartoon with which we began, the greatest golfer of the last century, Ben Hogan, who when he died some 10 or 12 years ago, left in his obituary a model for living of a certain sort. He had been raised in rough poverty. He was a person of slight build. He very narrowly escaped an early and tragic death in an automobile accident. Against all of these adversities, though, he became the greatest sportsman in his sport of his time. For the average golfer, against all of these must be placed his greatest challenge, which was that he faced down a natural and almost incurable slice. Now a slice occurs when you hit the ball 300 yards, but the ball goes 150 yards forward and 150 yards to the right. Hogan's swing naturally inclined him to that debacle, that kind of slice, but he, he found his way forward and mastered and was mastered by the practice of his art. And when they asked his uh, specialty, how he was able to do so, he said, it's a secret. And he left that secret unspoken until just two years before his death when he was interviewed and this appeared in his obituary as well. He was asked again about the secret, and he said, and it reminds us of Mark chapter 4, the secret is in the dirt. And by that he meant, the secret is in those many hundred swings, backswing, stroke, follow-through, backswing, stroke, follow-through, with which he met to start his practice every single day and down the club cave and into the dirt it went and so he said and memorably so the secret is in the dirt today we focus as we need more regularly to do on the practice of faith the marvelous parables of mark chapter 4 about something arising from nothing, about growth from the very tiny to the very large, about the superiority of the invisible over the visible. Connect us with the practice of faith. Regularly, we need to consider our own practice of faith, and we shall use Hogan's motto as our guide today. The secret is, in fact, in the dirt, in determination, in intensity, in repetition, in thrill. With the planting of seed, to begin, comes the possibility of a new creation and a form of personal determination. In the life of faith, the first step is everything because it sets the course for what is to follow. One's determination, finally, we... Discover over time to find a way to determine our determination comes from choices. We don't have forever to choose, but we live forever with the ways in which we choose. We have been so impressed in these last months, winter and spring, with the way in which recognition has emerged across our culture of the need for balance in life or a determination That includes the depth and marrow of life, like the grandfather who said, looking back, I wish I had spent more time in reflection. I wish I had taken one or two greater risks. I wish toward the end of these days I had found a way to invest myself in my legacy to the next generation. There is more to life than work. And the hurt, the challenge experienced across the country and beyond by those homes and persons who are bearing the brunt of this year's great recession is a reminder to us of the longing at the heart of our faith for justice that will roll down like water and righteousness as an ever-flowing stream. There's a determination with which we set out And every sermon, to some degree, indirectly or directly, is meant as a calling to you for that first step, that step whereby Peter moved away from the nets, that step whereby the rich young ruler left behind his wealth, that step whereby the swing comes down and touches the dirt, backswing, stroke, and follow through. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Obedience, obedience alone, obedience to a specific command leads to faith. Only those who believe obey, but only those who obey believe. In our time, the calling of the practice of faith, the planting of these seeds, is in two specifics. Again, we rarely have sufficient time to focus fully on them. One is the practice of personal outreach. You could call it evangelism every day. We have an older friend who, I'm sure to this day, six days out of seven, makes a list of five people with whom she's going to be engaged that day. We received one of her phone calls at quarter of ten the other night. It had been a long day, I guess. There's somebody for you to reach, touch, and embrace in personal, organic, natural outreach. The second a word for our time out of the frugal depths of the history of Methodism of all places. To face down the materialism and entitlement of our time, we need to recall the practice in which we were formed, the practice of tithing, of giving away in generous sharing every year 10% of what is earned, of saving another 10%, that's another sermon, but of disciplined practice of faith, determination, Determination second leads, and fairly quickly, to intensity. Once one has set out along the road, there is a desire for intensity, even a hunger for intensity. We had an impressive figure growing up, speaking of people dressed in black suits, our then Bishop Ralph Ward, who appeared one Sunday to preach. We invited him, the family did, to have lunch following service. He wasn't planning to stay. I don't know whether he had another engagement that afternoon but since the meal was ready he felt pressured to do so and he came and he sat in his long black coat and his collar and his intense presence and those of us under age 10 can remember it in a quivering sense we did so much so that my younger sister spilled a long tall tumbler of milk all up and down his coat so that there was a dollop of milk left for the rest of his meal on his nose. Whenever I saw him in later years, including the last time uh, I saw him on this earth at Riverside Church in New York, I could still see that little droplet. Behind it, an intensity, an intensity, uh, a deep personal faith connected with an active social involvement, a deep personal faith connected to an active social involvement that hopes for the very best over time and that is disappointed regularly. He who expects nothing is never disappointed, but those who live with intensity experience the bruising of lack and loss daily. So it was that Shakespeare, in his bluer period, wrote the 66th sonnet. Now, there may be some of you who know this past week his experience in the 66th. It's that experience of intensity meeting hurt, And failure. When Pasternak wrote his own translation of the 66th, he, when he gave his recitation of poetry, couldn't leave the stage until he had offered the audience the 66th sonnet. Give us the 66th, they called out. Maybe you know its byways and its depths. Tired of all of these, for restful death I cry. As to behold desert, A beggar born, and needy nothing trimmed in jollity, and purest faith unhappily forsworn, and gilded honor shamefully misplaced, and maiden virtue rudely strumpeted, and right perfection wrongfully disgraced, and strength by limping sway dislodged, and art made tongue-tied by authority, and folly doctor-like controlling skill, and simple truth miscalled simplicity, and captive good attending Captain ill, tired of all of these, from these would I be gone, save that to die I leave my love alone. The intensity of love, of your love, your love for others, your love for the church, your love for the Lord of the church is what saves when the 66th has flooded through the rest of life. Bonhoeffer wrote, again, to be called to a life of the highest quality and to enter it unselfconsciously and so to practice the faith. That is indeed a narrow way. Enter in at the narrow gate, wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to perdition, and many there be who go therein. Narrow is the gate, straight is the way that leads to life, and few there be who find it. Determination that evolves into intensity for practice requires repetition. I'm not averse to using Old lines of sermonic humor, sometimes the older the better. You will have heard this before. The man meets his uh, colleague on Fifth Avenue and asks, How do I get to Carnegie Hall? And the other replies, Practice, practice, practice. Repetition, backswing, stroke, follow through. The practice of faith. In the community, we challenge one another when our stroke is errant. We find ways to grow together in worship every Sunday, in groups for study week by week, and in service offered to God and neighbor. Sometimes the repetition required of faith is best known in service. That may be why for our undergraduates, The first and the multiple steps of faith are often and especially lived out in actual daily or special mission and service. There's a repetition required, a continuous application, a practice of the faith with reflection that carries us forward, especially and presently when There are challenges abroad that need to be faced and named. It is the repetition of faith that will give you the strength to resist those cultural influences that give religion a wrong referent. The word religion is not a positive word, only or mainly. Looking back across time, it has been filled with darkness and hurt, maiming and harm but we're not going to let that that word have only those reference. We resist those cultural influences that give such reference to such a word. We resist those broad and deep cultural reference that well up in the tragic slaying this past week in the Holocaust Museum. We resist those cultural influences that well up over time two weeks ago in the tragic slaying of Dr. Tiller in Kansas. Where are the voices of our pulpits across this country? To stand up, to stand up on our hind legs and to call out and to remind, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not be enslaved again. If you need the line across the country, I provide it for you. Here it is. Women's bodies are women's bodies. We reach out in the repetition of the practice of faith to resist those cultural influences that fill religion with a wrong reference. Bonhoeffer again wrote, when our obedience of faith has succumbed to the temptation of mere emotional uplift. We have begun to go down the road of cheap and not costly grace. Summer is upon us. This determination and intensity and repetition may, it could be, lead you to a moment or two of real thrill this summer. You know in the Northeast The summer is a particularly important liturgical season. It's the time across a region that knows its fair share of darkness and cold and rain and sleet and ice and snow. These are the weeks in which we have the opportunity to enjoy the beauty of nature, to reconnect with family and friends, to travel, to engage in those things which nourish and refresh. So it may be... That this summer there will be a moment, a high moment, a secluded moment, a choice moment of thrill for you. A moment when you are basking in the sunshine of a noonday meal. A moment underneath a waterfall. A moment with hands and toes, fingers and toes, filled with the sand of castles built by grandchildren. A moment of quiet and of peace, a moment at dawn across the lake as the sun is rising, a moment like that, yes, we want you to know it by heart, of Howard Thurman at midnight on Daytona Beach, wrote he later, the ocean and the night surrounded my little life with a reassurance that could not be affronted by any human behavior. The ocean at night gave me a sense of timelessness of existing beyond the ebb and flow of circumstance. Death would be a small thing, I felt, in the sweep of that natural embrace. Are you determined? Do you have a hunger for intensity? Are you given to the rhythms of repetition? Are you open and waiting for that moment in thrill? The faith of Christ calls us, and we respond. Amen.
4: we are called to prayer through the singing of Lead Me, Lord, I would invite you to pray as you are so moved to best support the prayers of this community. Please feel free to come to the altar rail, to stand in your place, to lift your hands, to respond in your first language. As we pray, I will set the intention. I will then say, God, in your grace, if you would please respond, hear our prayer. Dearly beloved, let us pray together. Holy and blessed Trinity, we who are made in your image give thanks for this time with you and with one another as we come to prayer as individuals and as members of communities which we bring with us in this place and time with love and care. And so we pray with and for all our sisters and brothers who confess your name for our unity in your truth, for our life together in your love, and for our revelation of your glory in the world. God, in your grace, hear our prayer. We pray with and for our cousins and neighbors in faith traditions other than our own, for the works of blessing and courage, goodwill and peace in and through us all for the life of the world. God, in your grace, hear our prayer. We pray for the people of this land and for all the nations, for the ways of justice and peace amongst us, for our honoring of one another, and for our service to our common and common good. God, in your grace, hear our prayer. We pray for the earth as your own creation, for our reverence for its diversity and beauty, for our right use of its resources in service to others and to your honor and glory. God, in your grace, hear our prayer. We pray for all those whose lives are closely linked with ours, for our service to Christ in them, and for our love for one another as Christ loves us. God, in your grace, hear our prayer. We pray for all who face particular challenges of body, mind, spirit, for their comfort, healing, courage, and hope, for our standing with them in the common and extraordinary challenges of life, and for the joy of your salvation for us all. God, in your grace, hear our prayer. We pray for those who have died with thanksgiving for their life and work amongst us for their family and friends for your will fulfilled in them and for our sharing with all your saints in the life to come god in your grace hear our prayer we pray for the joys and celebrations of our human life those milestones which mark our journey those things which strengthen our hearts and promote our peace. God, in your grace, hear our prayer. We pray in all these things that your will is done. In the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit, let us all say together, Amen. And now, as our Lord Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven,
3: peace of the Lord be always with you. We do look forward to starting next week our National Summer Preacher Series, Darwin and Faith. We hope you will join us for the next 11 weeks as we look at the intersection of religion and science beginning next week with the Reverend Dr. Wesley Wildman from the BU School of Theology. We would note also that orientation sessions have begun, and so Wednesday through Friday for the next number of weeks we hope you will as you find yourself meandering along Commonwealth Avenue, help us in welcoming the incoming class of 2013. We would point to the chapel website to keep you abreast of all the details of our life together here at Marsh Chapel and the opportunity for online giving. We would hope that those of you present with us in the nave this morning would participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name in the red pad at the end of each pew so that we can get to know one another better and help you get to know each other. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
4: give us every good and perfect thing. We offer back these our gifts of money, symbol of our time, energy, resources, and love. Bless and multiply them, we pray, that the giving may become receiving, and the receiving may become giving. In the name of Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.